After reciting the Tashahud Ta'uz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalib Masih V, Ayyadullah Ta'ala bin Sir Aziz stated, In the previous sermon, I began narrating incidents from the life of Hazrat Zayd radiallahu anhu and mentioned that Hazrat Zayd accompanied the Holy Prophet wasallam during his journey to Taif. I will relate some more details with regards to the journey to Taif undertaken by the Holy Prophet ﷺ, which Hazrat Sahib Zadah Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib has written in Sirat Khatman Nabiyin. When the Holy Prophet ﷺ came out from the valley of Abu Talib, he travelled to Taif. When the ban was lifted and the Holy Prophet ﷺ found a sort of freedom in his movements, he decided to visit Taif and invite its people to Islam. Taif is a famous place situated 40 miles to the southeast of Makkah. During this era, it was home to the Banu Saqif. Putting aside the speciality of the Kaaba, Taif was recognized equal to Makkah and many eminent, influential and affluent people resided there. The people of Makkah themselves admitted to this importance of Taif. As such, it was the very Meccans who said, لولا نزل هذا القرآن على رجل من القريتين أذيم. Meaning, why has not this Quran from God been sent to some great man of Makkah or Taif? Therefore, in Shawal of ten Nabawi, the Holy Prophet took a journey to Taif by himself. On the authority of other narrations, Zaid bin Hartha also accompanied him. Upon his arrival, the Holy Prophet remained there for ten days. And one after another, he met with many chieftains. But like Makkah, it was not in the destiny of this city to accept Islam either. Therefore, all of them refused. As a matter of fact, they mocked at the Holy Prophet ﷺ. At last, the Holy Prophet ﷺ approached the Grand Chieftain of Taif, Abdul Yalil, and invited him to Islam. But he also refused. Rather, in a manner of mockery, he said, If you are truthful, then I have not the strength to speak to you. And if you are a liar, then to speak to you is useless. Then, concerned that the youngsters of the city may become influenced by the Holy Prophet ﷺ, he said, It is best that you leave this place, for there is nobody here who is willing to listen to you. 
After that, this evil man had the miscreants of the city start off behind the Holy Prophet When he left the city, this rabble chased the Holy Prophet and began to bombard him with rocks, due to which the entire body of the Holy Prophet became drenched in blood. According to another narration, Zaid bin Hartha, who was with the Holy Prophet was also hit with rocks when he would try to stop them. These people pursued the Holy Prophet for three miles, more or less, and cursed at him and threw stones at him continuously. At a distance of three miles from Taif, there was an orchard which belonged to a chieftain of Makkah named Utbah bin Rabia. The Holy Prophet took refuge in this orchard and his ruthless enemies returned exhausted. Standing beneath a shadow, the Holy Prophet prayed before Allah in the following words, Allahumma ilayka ashku quwati wa qillata hilati wa hawani ala nas Allahumma ya arhamar rahimin anta rabbul mustada'afina wa anta rabbi Meaning, O oh my Lord, I complain to you of my helplessness and my inability and my helplessness before the people. O oh my God, you are the most merciful, for you are the guardian and protector of the feeble and helpless. You are my Lord. I seek refuge in the light of your countenance. It is you who dispels all darkness, and it is you who bestows the inheritance of favor in this world and in the next. At this time, Utba and Sheba were in their gardens. When they saw the Holy Prophet ﷺ in this state, perhaps moved by emotions of near or far relations, or perhaps national responsibility, they sent the Holy Prophet ﷺ a tray of grapes in the hand of their Christian slave named Adas. The Holy Prophet ﷺ took them and addressed Adas, saying, Where are you from, and a follower of which religion? I am from Nineveh responded Adas, and a Christian. The Holy Prophet ﷺ inquired, The same Nineveh which was home to the righteous servant of God, Jonah, son of Matthew? Yes, responded Adas, but how are you aware of Jonah? He was my brother, said the Holy Prophet ﷺ, for he was a prophet of Allah, and I am also a prophet of Allah. Then the Holy Prophet ﷺ preached the message of Islam to him, which moved him greatly. In his passion of sincerity, he moved forward and kissed the hands of the Holy Prophet ﷺ. Utbah and Sheba observed this sight from afar. As such, when Adas returned to them, they said, What happened to you that you began to kiss the hands of this man? This man shall ruin your faith, while your religion is better than his. The Holy Prophet ﷺ rested in this orchard for some time. He then departed from here and arrived at Nakhla, which is situated at a distance of approximately one day's journey from Makkah and remained there for a few days. After this, the Holy Prophet ﷺ departed and reached the mountain of Hira and since the apparent failure at Taif entailed the possibility of the Meccans growing overly bold, the Holy Prophet ﷺ sent word to Mut'am bin Adi saying that I wish to enter Makkah. Can you help me in this regard? Although Mut'im was a firm disbeliever, his disposition possessed graciousness and in times like these it was against the nature of noble Arabs to refuse, i.e. to refuse granting protection to the one who sought it. This was a characteristic of the Arabs even in the days prior to the advent of Islam. For this reason, along with the sons and relatives, fully armed, they stood by the Kaaba and sent word to the Holy Prophet ﷺ that he may enter. The Holy Prophet ﷺ entered and performed the tawaf of the Kaaba and along with Mutam and his children, escorted under the shadow of swords, the Holy Prophet ﷺ entered his home. On the way, Abu Jahl witnessed Mutim in this state 
He was astonished and inquired, Have you given Muhammad refuge or have you become a follower? Mutim responded, I am only one to give refuge, not a follower. Upon this, Abu Jahl said, All right, then there is no problem. Nonetheless, Mut'im died in a state of disbelief, but was responsible for this noble deed. When Hazrat Zayd arrived in Medina after the migration, he resided at the house of Hazrat Umm Kulthum bin Hadam. According to some other narrations, he stayed at the house of Hazrat Saad bin Haythma. The Holy Prophet established a bond of brotherhood between him and Hazrat Usaid bin Hadid. Some have written that this bond of brotherhood was established with Hazrat Hamza, i.e. Hazrat Hamza was declared to be his brother. This is why Hazrat Hamza wrote a will in favour of Hazrat Zayd on the occasion of the Battle of Uhud. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib further writes about this in his book Seed Khatman Nabiyin. Shortly after reaching Medina, the Holy Prophet sent Zayd bin Haritha to Makkah with some money. In a few days, he returned safely to Medina with the family of the Holy Prophet and his own. Along with him, Abdullah bin Abi Bakr also brought the family of Hazrat Abu Bakr to Medina as well. It is narrated by Hazrat Bara when the Holy Prophet ﷺ intended to perform Umrah in the month of Dhul the people of Makkah did not allow him to enter Makkah. Eventually, he made an agreement with them under the condition that he would return to Makkah in the following year and stay there only for three days. When the agreement was being written, it stated, these are the terms of the treaty as agreed by Muhammad, the Messenger of Allah. The Meccans said, We do not agree with you on this, for if we knew that you were the Messenger of Allah, we would not have prevented you from anything. The Meccans further said, To us, you are Muhammad, the son of Abdullah. The Holy Prophet ﷺ replied, I am the Messenger of Allah as well as Muhammad bin Abdullah. He then said to Hazrat Ali, Erase the words, Messenger of Allah. Hazrat Ali said, No, by God, I will never erase your title. I.e., he cannot erase the title of Messenger of Allah, which God Almighty himself granted to the Holy Prophet. The Holy Prophet ﷺ took the treaty. He did not know how to read or write properly, and wrote the following. This is the peace treaty which Muhammad the son of Abdullah has agreed to. Muhammad وسلم, will not bring arms into Makkah except sheath swords and will not take with him any of the people of Makkah even if the person in question wished to go with him. Also, if any of his companions wish to stay in Makkah, he will not forbid them. In the following year, when the Holy Prophet وسلم, entered Makkah and the agreed period of stay elapsed, the disbelievers came to Hazrat Ali and said, Tell your companion, i.e. Muhammad wasallam, to leave as the agreed period of stay has finished. There was a condition of staying for three days only and they had elapsed. So the Prophet wasallam, departed from Makkah and Amara, the daughter of Hazrat Hamza, whose name in one narration is reported as Amama and Amatullah in another, followed him. I.e. she followed the Holy Prophet ﷺ, saying, O uncle, O uncle! Hazrat Ali took her by the hand and said to Hazrat Fatima, salam, Take the daughter of your uncle. So she made her ride on her mount. Hazrat Ali, Hazrat Zayd and Hazrat Jafar quarrelled with regards to her. Hazrat Ali said, 
I took her for she is the daughter of my uncle. Hazrat Jafar said, She is the daughter of my uncle. And her aunt, Asma bint Amais, is my wife. Hazrat Zaid said, She is the daughter of my brother. As the Holy Prophet had established a bond of brotherhood between him and Hazrat Hamza. Following this, the Holy Prophet decided that she should stay with her maternal aunt. that is, with Hazrat Jafar. Thereafter, the Holy Prophet ﷺ said that a maternal aunt has a similar status to a mother. He then said to Hazrat Ali, You are from me and I am from you. To Hazrat Jafar he said, You resemble me both in physical appearance and in character. And to Hazrat Zayed he said, You are my brother and friend. Hazrat Ali asked the Holy Prophet ﷺ why he did not marry the daughter of Hazrat Hamza. The Holy Prophet ﷺ replied, she is the daughter of my foster brother. We have been suckled by the same wet nurse. And as such, I am the paternal uncle of this girl. This narration is found in Bukhari as well as Sirat al-Halabiya. Hazrat Zaid bin Harsa married Hazrat Umay Ayman. Hazrat Umay Ayman's name was Baraka. She was known by the title of Umay Ayman due to her son, Ayman. She was originally from Abyssinia. She was the female servant belonging to Hazrat Abdullah, the father of the Holy Prophet ﷺ. Following his demise, she stayed with Hazrat Amina. When the Holy Prophet ﷺ was six years old, his mother took the Holy Prophet ﷺ with her from Makkah to Medina. Hazrat Ayman accompanied them as a servant on that occasion. She would have been young at that time. On the return from Medina when they reached Abwa, which is at a distance of five miles from Masjid Nabawi, Hazrat Amina passed away. Hazrat Umay Ayman brought the Holy Prophet ﷺ back to Makkah on the two camels they originally set out with. Prior to the Holy Prophet's claim to prophethood, Hazrat Umay Ayman married Ubaid bin Zayd in Makkah, who was a slave of Abyssinian descent. A son was born to them by the name Ayman. Hazrat Ayman attained the status of martyrdom during the Battle of Hunayn. The husband of Hazrat Umm Ayman passed away and she was subsequently married to Hazrat Zaid. According to one narration, Hazrat Umm Ayman treated the Holy Prophet in an extremely gentle manner and took care of him. As a result of this, the Holy Prophet ﷺ said that whoever wishes to rejoice by marrying a woman from among the inhabitants of paradise, he should marry Umm Ayman. Upon this, Hazrat Zayd bin Hartha married her, as a result of which Hazrat Usama was born. Hazrat Umm Ayman migrated towards Abyssinia along with other Muslims. Following this migration, she returned to Medina and participated in the Battle of Uhud. On this occasion, she gave water to people and tended to the wounded. She was also enabled to participate in the Battle of Khaybar. She wept profusely when Hazrat Umar was martyred in the 23rd year after Hijrah. When the people inquired as to the reason why she was crying, she replied that owing to the martyrdom of Hazrat Umar, Islam had become weakened. Hazrat Umm Ayman passed away towards the beginning of the caliphate of Hazrat Usman. The summary of the writings of Hazrat Mizabashir Amazib from various sources in relation to the marriage of Hazrat Zayd with Hazrat Ayman is as follows. This is the same Umm Ayman who was given to Muhammad as a female slave through inheritance when his father passed away. When Muhammad matured, he freed her and would always treat her with much kindness. Umm Ayman was later married to a freed slave of the Holy Prophet ﷺ named Zaid bin Haritha. And from this relationship, Usama bin Zaid was born, who was known as Al-Hib ibn Al-Hib, that is, the dear son of the Beloved. 
when the Holy Prophet would see Hazrat Umm Ayman, he would say, O Umm, that is, O my mother. When the Holy Prophet would see Hazrat Ayman, he would say, Meaning, this is what is left behind of my close family. According to another narration, the Holy Prophet would state, Umma Aymana, Ummi Ba'da Ummi, meaning, after my actual mother, Ummi Ayman holds the status of being my mother. The Holy Prophet would also visit her house to meet her. Hazrat Anas bin Malik relates, When the Muhajireen arrived in Medina from Mecca, they had nothing in their possession whilst the Ansar were landowners and also owned property. The Ansar formed an agreement with the Muhajireen that they will offer them the fruits from their orchards and will also carry out the, all the farming work themselves. In other words, they will give them the produce from the land and will also carry out the labor duties of all its farming. Hazrat Anas's mother, Hazrat Umm Salaim, who was also the mother of Hazrat Abdullah bin Abi Talha, had presented some of her date palm trees to the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam granted these trees to Hazrat Umm Ayman, who was the mother of Hazrat Usama bin Zaid and the one who looked after the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ibn Shahab states that Hazrat Anas bin Malik anhu told him that when the Holy Prophet returned to Medina after the battle against the people of Khaybar, the Muhajireen returned whatever had been granted to them by the Ansar, i.e. all the fruit trees which they had been given from their orchards. This is because they had now been able to acquire some wealth and land of their own. The Holy Prophet ﷺ also returned the date trees to Hazrat Anas's mother and in place of them granted Hazrat Umm Ayman some date trees from his own orchard. In another narration from Bukhari, it mentions further details in which Hazrat Anas narrates, One of the companions had presented some date trees to the Holy Prophet ﷺ. When the Holy Prophet was granted victory against the tribes of Qurayza and Nazir, he no longer required those trees. Upon this, some of the members of my family asked me to go to the Holy Prophet and request him to give back some of the trees that they had presented to him as he was no longer in need of them. Since these trees had been granted to Umm Ayman radiallahu anha, therefore upon hearing about this, she came and placed a cloth on my neck and said, I will certainly not give these back. I swear by the one who alone is worthy of worship that you will never get these trees because the Holy Prophet has already given them to me. Or she said something along these lines. The Holy Prophet said to Hazrat Umm Ayman, It is fine, return back these trees and I will give you the same number of trees from somewhere else. However, she replied, By God, I will certainly not give them back. Hazrat Anas further relates, Thereafter, the Holy Prophet ﷺ offered to give Hazrat Umm Ayman ten times as many trees, or perhaps something to this effect, upon which she returned the trees. In another narration, it states that whilst migrating to Medina on foot, Hazrat Umm Ayman became extremely thirsty. She was a very pious lady and had a strong bond with God Almighty. At the time, she did not have any water with her and it was extremely hot. However, she heard a sound from above her head and saw a pale-like vessel descend upon from her from the heavens from which clear drops of water began to fall upon her. She drank from it until her thirst was quenched. She would often say that thereafter 
she never felt thirst or the desire to drink. Subsequently, she wouldn't feel the pangs of thirst, and if she ever felt dehydration whilst observing the fast, she would go on without feeling thirsty. Thus, while citing incidents of the companions, the women who were related to these Badri companions are also mentioned, so that we may become aware of their lofty status. And this is why I also give mention to these women alongside the Badri companion. Hazrat Umm Ayman had a slight stammer in her speech. Whenever she would meet someone, instead of saying, Salamullahi alaykum, as was the custom at the time, she would say, Salamullah alaykum, due to her stammer. The Holy Prophet ﷺ permitted her to say Salamu Alaikum or Assalamu Alaikum, which is now the custom. Hazrat Aisha anha narrates that one day, whilst the Holy Prophet ﷺ was drinking water, Hazrat Umm Ayman was also present and said, O Messenger of Allah, give me water so I may drink also. Hazrat Aisha states that she questioned her, saying, Is this the manner in which you asked the Messenger of Allah for something? To this she replied, Have I not served the Holy Prophet ﷺ for a long time? The Holy Prophet ﷺ then said, You speak the truth, and gave her water to drink. Hazrat Anas anhu relates that when the Holy Prophet ﷺ passed away, Hazrat Umm Ayman would not stop crying. When she was asked why she wept so much for the Holy Prophet ﷺ, she answered, I knew, of course, that the Holy Prophet ﷺ would also pass away. Yet, I weep because the revelations have been taken away from us. In other words, besides her pain over the demise of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, she also wept over the fact that the word of God and the revelation of the Holy Qur'an, which would descend upon them, had come to an end. Hazrat Anas bin Malik narrates, once after the demise of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, Hazrat Abu Bakr said to Hazrat Umar, Accompany me to visit Hazrat Umm Ayman and let us meet her just as the Holy Prophet وسلم, would do so. When we arrived there, she began weeping. They asked, Why are you crying? For whatever it was with Allah is better for his Messenger. Hazrat Umm Ayman responded, I do not cry as I am aware that whatever Allah possesses is better for his Messenger. She was a very pious person, as mentioned before. She stated, I cry because the door of revelation has now closed. This moved both of them to tears also. There was a visible difference between the complexion of Hazrat Usama and Hazrat Zayd because the mother of Zayd was from Abyssinia and of African descent. Hence, there was a difference in appearance between father and son because Zaid resembled his mother more in appearance. Due to this, people raised objections about the lineage of Hazrat Usama, saying that he was not the son of Hazrat Zaid, and the hypocrites would do the same. Hazrat Aisha anha states, One day, the Holy Prophet visited me and was overjoyed. He said, O Aisha, Mujaziz Mudliji visited me just now and saw Osama bin Zaid and Zaid bin Haritha in a manner whereby they were covering themselves with the same cloth, perhaps to shield themselves from the heat or rain. Nonetheless, they were both covering themselves with the same cloth. Their faces were covered by it. Their heads were also covered, but their feet were exposed. Mujaziz said, Both pairs of feet are one and the same meaning that both pairs of feet had a strong resemblance. The Holy Prophet ﷺ was pleased that the objection raised against the lineage of Hazrat Usama was refuted, to the extent that a worldly person and a physiognomist bore witness to it. Although it may not seem to have more to it, but in those days, the Arabs considered it as definitive proof, and this silenced the worldly people and also the hypocrites. Hazrat Zayd was the freed slave of the Holy Prophet and his adopted son as well. 
The Holy Prophet arranged Hazrat Zayd's marriage with Hazrat Zainab bint Jahsh. However, this marriage did not last long, and Hazrat Zayd divorced Hazrat Zainab. This marriage lasted a year or a little more than that, after which the Holy Prophet himself married Hazrat Zainab bint Jahsh. The details collected from various sources by Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib in his book Sirah Khatman Nabiyin are as follows. In 5th year Hijri, shortly before the Ghazwa of Bani Mustalik, which took place in Shaban 5th Hijri, the Holy Prophet married Zainab bint Jahash. Hazrat Zainab was the daughter of the paternal aunt of the Holy Prophet whose name was Umayma bint Abdul Muttalib. Although she was extremely righteous and pious, she was somewhat conscious of her family status at heart. In contrast, the disposition of the Holy Prophet ﷺ was absolutely pure of such thoughts, and although he was considerate of family circumstances from a social perspective, the Holy Prophet ﷺ considered innate merit and individual virtue and purity as being the true criteria for nobility, to this effect, the Holy Quran states, "Inna akramakum indallahi atqakum," meaning, "O ye people, the most honourable among you is the one who is most righteous." Hence, the Holy Prophet ﷺ proposed the marriage of this dear one, i.e., Zainab bin Jahsh, to his freed slave and foster son Zayd bin Haritha without any hesitation. At first, Zainab did not accept this match considering her family status to be greater. But ultimately, upon noticing the strong desire of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, she agreed. In any case, according to the proposal and desire of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, the marriage of Zainab and Zayd took place. Although Zainab fulfilled her vows with goodness, in his own heart, Zaid felt that Zainab still harbored hidden feelings that she was from a noble family and a close relative of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, while Zaid was merely a freed slave and not her equal. Even in his own heart, Zaid felt that his position was lesser than that of Zainab. This feeling slowly and gradually became stronger, making their marital life unpleasant making husband and wife indisposed to one another. When this upsetting situation grew out of hand, Zaid bin Hartha presented himself before the Holy Prophet ﷺ of his own accord and complaining about the treatment of Zainab, sought permission to divorce her. In another narration, it is related that he complained that Zainab uses harsh tongue, and therefore I wish to divorce her. Naturally, the Holy Prophet ﷺ was grieved upon hearing the state of affairs, and he restrained Zayd from giving a divorce. Perhaps, feeling that Zayd could do more to fulfill his end, the Holy Prophet ﷺ exhorted him, saying, Fear God, and settle your differences however you may. These words of the Holy Prophet ﷺ have been recorded by the Holy Qur'an as well in the following words. Amsik alayka zawjaka wattaqillah Meaning, do not divorce your wife and fear God. The reason for this advice of the Holy Prophet ﷺ was that firstly, in principle, the Holy Prophet ﷺ disliked divorce. On one occasion, the Holy Prophet ﷺ stated, Abghadul halal ilallahi azza wa jal at-talaq Meaning, of all lawful things, divorce is most undesirable in the sight of God. For this reason, it has only been permitted as a last resort. Secondly, as related by Imam Zainul Abidin Ali bin Hussein, the son of Imam Hussein, and Imam Zuhri has declared this narration as being authentic. Since the Holy Prophet knew by way of divine revelation that Zayd bin Haritha would ultimately divorce Zainab, 
and then she would subsequently come into a matrimonial bond with the Holy Prophet ﷺ, feeling that he had a personal connection in the matter. The Holy Prophet ﷺ wished to remain absolutely unrelated and neutral. Moreover, from his own perspective, it was the utmost desire of the Holy Prophet ﷺ that he should have no part in the dissolution of the marriage of Zaid and Zainab, and that they should continue living together for as long as possible. It was under this consideration that the Holy Prophet ﷺ emphatically exhorted Zayd not to give a divorce. Fear God and settle the differences between husband and wife in any way possible. Furthermore, the Holy Prophet ﷺ also apprehended that if Zainab was to marry the Holy Prophet after having separated from Zayd, people would raise the allegation that the Holy Prophet ﷺ had married the divorcee of his foster son and people will be put into trial. As such, Allah the Exalted states in the Holy Quran, Meaning, O Prophet, you had concealed in your heart what God was going to bring to light. And you were afraid on account of the people, whereas God has far greater right to be fit. In any case, the Holy Prophet ﷺ admonished Zaid to fear Allah and held him back from giving a divorce. In light of this exhortation, Zaid bowed his head in submission and silently returned. However, it was difficult for these distant personalities to come together, and what was not meant to be remained as such. After some time, Zaid gave a divorce. When the Iddat of Zainab had elapsed, the Holy Prophet ﷺ received revelation again with respect to her marriage, which instructed that the Holy Prophet ﷺ should take her into a bond of matrimony himself. In this divine command, the wisdom was so that Zainab could be comforted and so that it could be demonstrated that there was no disgrace in Muslim men marrying a divorced woman. Moreover, another wisdom was that since Zaid was the foster son of the Holy Prophet ﷺ and was generally known as his son, by marrying his divorcee, a practical example could be demonstrated by the Holy Prophet ﷺ before the Muslims that a foster son is not a real son, nor do such injunctions apply to them as are enforced upon biological sons. As a result, this ignorant Arabian custom could be completely expunged from among the Muslims. In this regard, the Holy Quran, which is the most authentic of all historical records, states, فَلَمَّا قَضَى زَيْلٌ مِّنْهَا وَطَرَى زَوَّجْنَاكَهَا لِكَيْ لَا يَكُونَ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ حَرَجْ فِي أَزْوَاجِ أَدْعِيَائِهِمْ Meaning, when Zaid dissolved his relationship with Zainab, we married her to you, so that there may be no hindrance for the believers with regard to the wives of their adopted sons, after their adopted sons dissolved their relationship with their wives. This is how it was decreed that the will of God would come to pass. Therefore, after this divine revelation was sent down, which was absolutely free from the personal desire or thought of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, he decided to marry Zainab. The Holy Prophet sent his proposal to Zainab through Zaid himself. Upon the consent of Zainab, her brother Abu Ahmad bin Jahash served as her guardian and married her off to the Holy Prophet ﷺ, and the dowry was set at 400 dirhams. In this manner, the ancient tradition which was firmly rooted in the plains of Arabia was uprooted at the very source and stem, and discarded by Islam through the personal example of the Holy Prophet ﷺ. At this instance, it is also necessary to mention 
that historians and muhaddithin generally believed that since divine revelation had been sent down with respect to the marriage of Hazrat Zainab, and as this marriage took place due to the special divine command, an actual ceremony of nikah did not take place. However, this notion is incorrect. Undoubtedly, this marriage took place in accordance with the command of God, and it can be said that this marriage was settled in the heavens, as it were. However, this cannot relieve a person from the practical application of the Sharia, which is also instituted by God Himself. Hence, the reference of Ibn Hisham, which has been alluded to above, has explicitly stated that the actual ceremony of Nikah did in fact take place, and in this respect, the matter is clear and leaves no room for uncertainty or doubt. Moreover, as for the hadith which states that Hazrat Zainab would express in a manner of pride to the other Ummahat al-Mu'mineen that their marriages were announced through their guardians on the earth, while her marriage was announced in the heavens, it is also false to deduce from this that the physical ceremony of her marriage did not take place. The reason being that even in the case of an apparent ceremony, she maintains the distinction that her marriage was settled in the heavens under the special order of God, while the marriages of the other Ummahat al-Mu'mineen took place under normal circumstances, merely with an apparent ceremony having taken place. In another narration, it is related that the Holy Prophet ﷺ went to Zainab without permission, and it is deduced from this as well that a physical ceremony did not take place. However, if one reflects this fact does not have any relation whatsoever with the physical ceremony being held or not. If it is inferred from this that the Holy Prophet ﷺ went to the home of Hazrat Zainab without permission, then this is incorrect and contrary to the facts, because an explicit narration from Bukhari states that after their marriage, Zainab was bid farewell from her home and came to the home of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, and not vice versa. If, however, this narration is inferred to suggest after her ruksatana took place and she entered the home of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, he went to her without any specific permission. This is nothing out of the ordinary and not at odds with the general practice. After coming to the home of the Holy Prophet ﷺ as his wife, it was obvious that the Holy Prophet would go to her and no permission was required in this respect. Hence the narration regarding the Holy Prophet not seeking permission has no relation whatsoever with the question as to whether a formal ceremony of nikah took place or not. The fact of the matter is that, as Ibn Hisham has clearly related, despite divine command, a formal ceremony of nikah took place. Rationality also dictates that it occurred as such, because firstly, there was no reason for an exception to the general rule. Secondly, when the very objective of this marriage was to break a custom and remove its influence, it was required to an even greater degree that this marriage in particular take place with great proclamation and publicity so that the world would know that this custom has now been abolished. In the accounts relating to the life of Hazrat Zayd, I have mentioned some details regarding the marriage of the Holy Prophet and Hazrat Zainab. The reason for this is that people raise allegations against this marriage even today. and therefore we ought to know about this in detail. There are some further details with regards to this incident and other incidents about Hazrat Zayd. I will explain further details regarding these incidents as required in the future, but for now the account of Hazrat Zayd will continue.